This is Brokering Chapter 15, as read to you by the author, Dustin Widows. I was intentionally sounding a little hoity-toity there. Are you interested or are you committed? I like to open each chapter with a quote, although in hindsight, I'm terrified of what the names of the different people who's I've put in there as quotes are, like, you know, who's getting canceled and who's not, and yikes, maybe I better pull those, those quotes out. But the quote at the beginning of this chapter is from F. Scott Fitzgerald, and I've lived this many, many times. It is a great advantage not to drink among hard-drinking people. Damn straight, Scott. Damn straight, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Sitting in a recent mastermind session, the comment was made that at a certain production level, there's no time left for fucking around. To which I added that uh, one does not get to said level unless they stop the fucking around in advance. And so with some hesitation, I insert this rather personal chapter into this book. It's not getting up on a soapbox so much as it is just a slice of my own story. This is a book of new habits, new systems, new viewpoints, and uh, you know, not just of ourselves, but also of others. So take from these next words what you can and apply as you see fit. However you can in order to remove an old habit no longer serving you and create space for a newer, more beneficial habit. Some of my more challenging habits to break over the years have been overconsumption of potato chips, then french fries, and more recently, five years ago, jujubes. I can actually safely say I can't remember the last time I bought a bag of uh, really any kind of candy. And um, the potato chips, they're gone. The fries, I haven't shaken the fries yet. Having just typed this last sentence, my mouth is now watering and I want to take a spin down to the food fair or corner store. I'm over that too. I can read this sentence. It doesn't bother me. How easy is it to fall back into our old ways? A little too easy. But instead, I'll take a spin to the gym, which I still do regularly. On to the meat of this chapter. Now, feel free to substitute the word alcohol for something else in your life that you may well want to remove. Don't throw out the main point of the message over the details. My main point, my main point is this. Here at the beginning of October, which many of us know as Sober October, 30-day challenges are for chumps. They are. 30 days is a cakewalk for most of us. So step it up and turn it into a 365-day challenge. That's a real challenge. Nine years later, still not drinking, after my one-year challenge, uh, which seems to have turned into my rest of my life, I've learned something truly valuable. I've learned what sort of drinker I am, uh, but that discovery took about 333 days. What I learned about myself is something it is unlikely anyone partaking in a sober October will learn about themselves. But hey, kudos to the sober October crowd. You got to start somewhere. A confluence of circumstances one October brought me to a point where I decided that one full year away from alcohol was an experiment worth embarking upon. From a late decision to lead our then-teenage daughter, by example, to solidarity with our teenage son who had made the decision not to drink as part of his personal training and competitive regimen, to a blog post about one year off booze, uh, one still worth reading, written by James Swanwick. The bottom line was that on Sunday, October 5th of 2014, I pulled the pin. When I quit, I really, really quit. I tend to hold myself to high standards in nearly everything that I do, no more so than when public declarations are made. Frankly, time flew 
although not at first. At first, it was actually a little bit disturbing. I'd gone six weeks without a drink many times over the years due to circumstances or choice. In fact, I'd gone six months at least twice, uh, a little bit longer. Um, in fact, I rarely had even a single drink on a weekday. And yet the first six days of this challenge, five of them weekdays, uh, they were spent with way too much of my mental real estate occupied by second-guessing this whole quitting thing. Nobody likes a quitter and all that. The fact was I could feel the weight of that specific tumbler in my right hand, swirling my right wrist to mix the two ingredients, Kahlua and vodka, known as a Black Russian. I could feel that cool texture of the beverage running across my palate, hear the clink of the cubes, revel in that masculine burn of the vodka, and the delicate and sweet aftertaste of the Kahlua. Damn, I wanted a drink on a daily basis for the first time ever. Weird. Whatever. One year. Decision made. Get over it, dude. Move on. Time started to move a little bit quicker. Six weeks later, it was no longer a daily thought. A few months later, it actually wasn't even really a weekly thought. Uh, and then in a flash, 333 days later or thereabouts, I was talking with my, my then wife and mentioned that it was only four weeks from the one-year mark and suggested we ought to have a party. Uh, we were the party house after all, so let's light it back up again and invite everybody over. Uh, her response was a little bit surprising and, of course, ultimately very profound. In an evenly measured tone, she said the first two words that had been said in either favor or not of this. Basically, Carrie had been Switzerland for 50 weeks, completely neutral, no position on, on this decision I'd made. But I got the first two words. You shouldn't. I said, I really need more than two words. Come on. Um, I got five more that basically set the tone for my continuing on this path. Those five words were, you're just better without it. Well, what do you do with that? You know, as mentioned, uh, what I've chosen to continue with is a challenge is is this challenge is a key piece of uh, the pursuit of my personal best self. Actually, I remember that moment when she said, "You're just better without it," and I was I remember like, "Oh, that that's like when your parents say they're really disappointed in you." Like, what do I do with that? That's it. Decision made. I'm never drinking again. Done. You know. Now that's how I remember that story. What are you gonna do? In hindsight, I was essentially a competitive drinker from the very first drink I had as a teenager. I can still recall counting each drink, each night I drank diligently as it went down. I never stopped counting drinks even when I grew up, air quotes. As life progressed, so did the numbers, as if I was winning at some unspoken contest nobody knew they were even in with me. In the 27 years of drinking I did, I was physically sick just twice um, with a 23-year gap in between. Hangovers were rare, and when they arrived were of little consequence. I seemed built to drink. I was at a high tolerance and some serious stamina, and every few months, I'd inadvertently find myself pursuing a new high score. And then I would retreat into semi-retirement for a, a few weeks or a few months, focus on other tasks. Uh, between those one-night binges, which brings me back to the critical point. 30 days, it just isn't a challenge. 30 days is a cinch, especially if you're competitive. And if you're still listening to this, you're competitive. You are. And in his excellent book, Relentless, 
Tim S. Grover makes reference to one of the elite peak performers that he trained. Mr. Grover's concern about whether this individual had control over his drinking was was basically, you know, his concern was whether the drinking was controlling the client or whether the client was controlling the drinking. And so he challenged the individual to quit for 30 days. And just like that, this individual did. And in Mr. Grover's eyes, this proved control uh, was with the individual. Now, no disrespect, Tim, but I completely disagree with this statement, knowing what I know now. And I think his client would probably also admit that in hindsight, he was fooling himself and his trainer. 30-day challenges are for chumps, especially an elite NBA athlete. Come on. What I realize is this, any one of us can quit anything for 30 days. That's our nature. It's easy for us to simply immerse ourselves for 30 days in something else. We will hyper-focus on that other thing, all the while knowing in the back of our mind that a mere 29, 28, 27 days later, freedom of choice awaits us again. 30 days is nothing for a truly goal-oriented individual. And no doubt the athletes that Mr. Grover trained have far greater ability to focus on their goals than most of us do. And focus is what matters. 30 days for a peak performer is a cakewalk. It's a short-term goal easily achieved with little time for introspection. Like I say, the whole year, I'll stick to the script. The next time you set a goal or a challenge uh, is thrown down at your feet, don't just do the minimum required. To use Mr. Grover's own terminology, the minimum is what a cooler does. Hitting targets hard and breaking through them elevates you to closer status. But to take the challenge and 12 exit, that is something a cleaner would do. And if you've read the book, you know the difference between a cooler, a closer, and a cleaner. It's good to be a closer. Nothing wrong with that. Closer is legit. But a cleaner, that's what you want to be. A cleaner brings an atom bomb themselves to a knife fight, not simply a gun. So will I take up my own challenge in 12X, my original one-year goal? Well, damn, I'm at 9X now. I'd be a fool to quit, especially after just reading that chapter. I forgot about that bit. So I'm already a closer in some areas of life. Why not push harder and be a cleaner in this one? Decision made. There we go. And there's a few more people in the notes there. Two and a half years. Congrats to you. Like, it is a game changer. It just is. It just is. And damn, I held on to almost the entire opening audience for that. So thanks for sticking with me. Because it's a true story. It just makes you better. I mean, they're not slapping warning labels on this stuff coming soon, apparently, to a bottle near us for no reason. Like, here's a, here's a line I use regularly to sum, regularly to sum this whole thing up. Um, maybe this is uh, what I got to work into the title. Look, no Olympian has ever been stripped of their medals for performance-enhancing use of alcohol. It does not make us better at anything. So what the hell are we doing? Where's the upside? There is none. There is no upside. There's maybe an argument in there somewhere, but let's not stretch it out. All right. Thanks, guys. There we go. I had to go pack my bags and catch plane. I will not sing. I'm leaving on a jet plane because my singing voice is horrible. All right. And again, like kudos to each and every one of you, whether you're one day in, uh, whether you're now 32 minutes in to having made a decision, um, or whether you're 16 years in or 30 years in, kudos to you and uh, keep on fighting the good fight. 
go make some calls. They're hard calls. A lot of them are hard calls. Go make some calls. You'll be glad you did. Your clients will be glad you did. Thank you. Talk to you next Tuesday. Cheers.